God said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, in case you missed it, PayPal has reinstated its $2,500 fine for misinformation. That's right. So PayPal uh, has in their disclaimers uh, fines, prohibitive activities, you may not use PayPal service for activities that violate the law, of course, relate to transactions uh, involving narcotics, steroids, related to transactions that show the personal information of third parties of violation in violation of applicable laws, involve the sales and products of services identified by government agencies, Relate to transactions involving an activity that requires pre-approval. Okay, whatever. But they say here, restricted activities and holds. So if you step out of line, PayPal, well, if you provide misinformation in any way, and they're bundling that up into... um, they're bundling it up into uh, what would normally be normal restrictions, and then they're expanding it to speech. And that's the that's their alignment with the globalists. They caved, and then they brought it back. So, um, right here, it's. Uh, Provide false, inaccurate, accurate, and misleading information. So, uh, PayPal is doing their number again on people. Um, and they're joining the ranks of the... Uh, it says, any violation against the acceptable use policy can be fined. And the restricted activities are part of the AUP, the Acceptable Use Policy. 
So there was the question of if you're just provide not saying your right social security number or getting on there and saying a whole bunch of things that weren't true to get a, to get accepted on the PayPal platform. But no, they straightened that out. The, the question was asked and answered. Any violation against the uh, acceptable use policy and the acceptable use policy is provide false, inaccurate, misleading information. So basically, they could take your information that's going to being disseminated in any way and uh, fine you. And this is just one part of it. You know, we've all heard the globalists talk about their blockchain digital currency. And we all know why it is that uh, Rishi Sunak, Rishi Sunak, uh, we all know why he got himself elected. He was installed. It says here, this is why Rishi Sunak was installed by the World Economic Forum. He is at the UK as prime minister. He is making the transition to net zero mandatory. Let's take a listen to this. This is an incredible, uh, incredibly aggressive speech. Action is to rewire the entire global financial system for net zero. Better and more consistent climate data, sovereign green bonds, mandatory sustainability disclosures, proper climate risk surveillance, stronger global reporting standards, all things we need to deliver. And I'm proud that the UK is playing its part. We've already made it mandatory for businesses to disclose climate-related financial information with 35 other countries signing up to do the same. Today, I'm announcing that the UK will go further and become the first ever net zero aligned financial centre. This means we are going to move towards making it mandatory for firms to publish a clear, deliverable plan setting out how they will decarbonise and transition to net zero with an independent task force to define what's required. So, a renewed pledge to $100 billion a year of public funding, over $130 trillion of private capital waiting to be deployed, and a greener financial system underway. He might be worth $1 billion, but he's not worth $100 billion. He's getting that money from somewhere. Where is he getting that money? Out of your pockets. When a politician stands up there and does that, they're spending your money on absolute BS, absolute nonsense. They're spending your money on nonsense. Because we know now, with all the scientists that have come out of the woodwork and said this climate thing is a hoax, And when you take a look at all the senseless wars and the propping up of ISIS that the Obama regime and the John McCain's of the world and Lindsey Graham's of the world supported to, 
to act as mercenaries to protect the oil fields running out of, you know, this 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 disheveled Iraq. And let's face it, Saddam Hussein, who ran Iraq, had a lot of money. I mean, he had a lot of oil, and so and Gaddafi had a lot of money, but he was basically the toll collector. So they murdered Gaddafi. They got rid of Egypt because these were going to be standing in the way of pipelines that were running into Africa and into Europe out of the Iraq region. Once we went in with desert, with not Desert Storm, but with the uh, shock and all campaign and took over Fallujah and took over Baghdad, that was a Bush dynasty war. Enron got quick, got rich quick. It's why Liz Cheney and Dick Dick Cheney uh, were all in bed with Enron, and they meddled in that oil business. And it's why. Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump so much. They had cushy gravy money coming in. Dividend checks. You'd be surprised. You're talking about tens of thousands of dollars a month that you get as a dividend check for drops of oil going into a pipeline that's not even yours just because you somehow procured it and made it happen. And when that that money ran out, it was very much akin to it was very much akin to the Ukraine situation. With Ukraine, remember when Joe Biden said to Poroshenko, uh, "Don't take the aid. Go through the IMF fund and the Privy Bank, and 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 don't take the American aid." He said, because if the American aid is procured, people are going to then investigate and look into it. And right now, Trump's not sophisticated enough to understand what's going on with the relationship. But as soon as you get on the books with official aid going out from the United States to Ukraine, he's going to get wise to the corruption that we've been involved with. And it's not just your 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 financial security. It's all. It's not only in your financial interest. It's in your security interest. And he said that to Poroshenko. And we had that on tape, and we've played it a thousand times. And Burisma was involved, and the Bidens and the the John Kerry's son Chris Hines was involved. Mitt Romney's right-hand man, Kofor Black, was involved. And they were basically saying, don't get, don't get involved. So they didn't want Trump and Poroshenko to do business. Then it became Zelensky. But they didn't want it to get involved because then Trump would have learned. He would have had to do the due diligence that's necessary and investigate. And he would have found out all about he would have he would have had jurisdiction over that particular investigation. And the same is true with the Middle East, and it's why Liz Cheney hates Trump so much. It's not J six. It's Trump getting rid of ISIS like there were two feathers. And I said all along, I said this was 
I said, ISIS is not, they're a pot-smoking hippie band. I mean, they were nothing but a kangaroo force. And I, I said that they raped and pillaged towns in Syria that were defenseless because Syria was run by the Assad kingdom and they're Alawite Shias and most of Syria is Sunni and they really don't get along that well, but somehow they made it work and they basically disarmed their entire population. But Syria and Turkey were passageways to Europe. And so what what our country was doing is we knocked out Gaddafi and we installed Benghazi, a, a secret mission, to run Gaddafi assets out of Benghazi by boat and put them over into the Middle East and finance basically... Uh, Al-Qaeda morphed into ISIS, morphed into what they called ISIL uh, forces to protect the oil fields and the region. And we were basically acting like we were going to war with them. And in fact, we would fund the Iraqi uh, soldiers and they would leave the weapons on the battlefield and it would be a new way post Benghazi to distribute weapons to ISIS, who was protecting the oil interests of in the black market of people like Lindsey Graham, those interests, and John McCain. And a lot of that oil was running up into Europe. And Russia's conflict of that is that Russia was an ally of Syria. And Russia had oil coming down from Russia into Europe. So basically Europe was getting a cheaper supply of black uh, market oil out of Iraq, protected by ISIS warriors. And a lot of politicians were getting rich off of that. And they opened up the doors to Africa. Same thing. And that's where they were getting a lot of their unsanctioned weaponry. And security apparatuses. And the same thing was done in Ukraine and the same thing was done in the Middle East. And it's why you have you have commentary like this from Joe Biden, the oldie but the uh, an oldie but goodie, right? We have we've we haven't heard this one in a while. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone 
who was solid at the time. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <clears throat> others, to. So yeah, that's as corrupt as it gets, folks. That's as corrupt as it gets. And what we have is, and what we've lost ever since 9-11 happened, is we had the Patriot Act. They've been pushing the Ice Age back in the 70s. And then into the 80s, they realized they couldn't pull that off. So they started talking about uh, global warming. Then the globe wasn't getting that much warmer. So then they started climate change. We've got to change it. To, the climate always changes. No one's going to... Like Black Lives Matter, right? Of course, you can't question Black Lives Matter. Black Lives obviously matter. Yeah, White Lives Matter too, though. Oh, you're going to club, club, me, club me over the head because I said White Lives Matter? I, I just don't get it. I don't get what you're saying. I don't understand the struggle. No, all lives matter, of course. But you would be damned if you said that. And that's what the Democrats do. They put a shield around it so they have a one-way argument. This election season, they don't want to d- d- debate at all. And when they do, we see what a train wreck it is. I mean, people still can't get over Fetterman. Good night, everybody. And that was his hello. <laughs> you know, lights out. But you're not allowed to say that because, oh, he's a victim. No, he's a victim that shouldn't have been running in the first place. His handlers knew Fetterman. But ever since ever since the Clintons came into office, they started using these strategies to control people. They started to embrace the globalist way. This goes back to Herbert Walker Bush and Kissinger, even in the Nixon time. Um, but you look at what they've done with just the Patriot Act, eavesdropping, and alliancing themselves with big tech social media. That's what the Patriot Act did. Then you had COVID and climate, and they used their CIA, NSA apparatus that they gained from the Patriot Act and the data collection of people. And what they've done is they've censored people when it came to COVID and climate to where you couldn't have an honest discussion about it and it became a narrative. And the Mockingbird Press also paid close attention because the intelligence communities are in bed with the globalist communities. The globalist communities are controlling the corporations. That's why BlackRock is so integral. That's why World Economic Forum is the governing body of corporations like BlackRock and all the corporations underneath them. When you take a look at Coca-Cola and Pepsi or Nabisco or, or Procter & Gamble, it should not be the, the case and it should not be allowed to have such big investments and big-time investors People need to take a look at the BlackRock portfolio and realize that they're a super monopoly, that they could put Nabisco out of business in two seconds by propping up their competitor. And not just that, but annexing them. You take a good example 
of Ye West, right? Uh, Kanye. Now Skechers and Foot Locker have cut him. You know, all of his sponsors are, are cutting him because he said something out of turn. I mean, look at um, <clears throat> look at uh, all the different celebrities that have been cut down because they said something. Roxanne comes to mind, remember? And what do they call it? The Connollys or something, this new show? But when Roxanne came out, she was a Trump supporter, right? In this comedy. It was the biggest success, but it was too big, too good. You can't have Trump because Trump bucks the system. What does Trump do? Trump defunds ISIS and knocks ISIS out and takes the oil for the government of the United States. Takes the oil for the American people and controls that oil in the Middle East. And what does he do? He goes over to NATO and says, Germany's a deadbeat. They need to pay back their back taxes on NATO. And NATO, what is, what is NATO doing? And he stands shoulder to shoulder with people like Vladimir Putin, who wouldn't even think to, think about doing the things that he does under these compromised regimes like the Obama regime or the Biden regime because they know that there are infiltrators in our government like Barack Obama, the Clintons, and the Bidens who would sell out America as quickly as they could if it meant that they were going to profit from it. And they have. Just look at all the wealth that they've gained. These two-bit politician hoodlums are now richer than Midas at the board of everything, controlling corporations and their wokeness. And this is what's going on with this stuff. And we support these corporations because we have to put shoes on our feet and clothes on our back. Even though Levi's, just like we talked about yesterday, fired their former CEO because she didn't support the woke policies of corporate America. And now she's speaking out with a book. And... The point that I'm making is we have we have allowed this to get so big that we are a David and they are a Goliath. It used to be that the people were the Goliath and the politicians were the Davids. But how in the world do we allow this to happen? And the only way, the only chance we have of taking back this country and taking back our freedoms and our rights and our, our liberties, taking back fair justice out of the hands of unequal justice taken back away from the discriminators and the racists is to vote Republican this election season to put a Lee Zeldin into New York for the first time since Pataki to get rid of the nonsense that is John Fetterman to get to to you know not that Oz is the greatest selection we that's our that's on us but you know we have a chance with Laxalt in Nevada and Kerry Lake is winning big time in Arizona and she's she's getting so popular she has coattails now 
And it's impacting the uh, senatorial race with Blake Masters. And you can go on and on. A lot of these politicians, like Ron DeSantis in Florida, are making a difference. They're making a difference uh, countrywide. And I would say Ted Cruz has stepped up and done some really great things. We heard him on The View yesterday and doing some great things, trying to set the agenda and create a narrative. Now you got Nancy Pelosi trying to become a, come out on the side of law and order when we know it's a ruse. But here's a Lee Zeldin uh, clip. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I played yesterday, but I wanted to hear it again today. This is uh, because crime and law and order are a big ticket item this election season. So let's take a listen. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, and I've been asking for months, and my opponent still can't finish this sentence. So you can't expect her to ever fix it. But New York leads the entire nation in population loss because... She actually got asked this question by the media a few weeks ago when she was at Binghamton Airport. She probably would love to have a redo because she messed it up that time. For me, you ask me, why does New York lead the entire nation in population loss? Because their wallets, their safety, their freedom, and their quality of their kids' education are under attack. So they're hitting their breaking point. They're looking at other states like the Carolinas, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, and elsewhere. And they feel like their money will go further, they'll feel safer, and they'll live life freer. The state is at a crossroads. We were at a crossroads in 1994 when New York elected George Pataki, and we're at a crossroads right now. But as far as what happens with Kathy Hochul and one-party rule for four more years, outsized power of self-described socialists, we need balance and common sense restored to Albany. And you know what? He, he opened that with, uh, with the idea. He says, uh, I'm going to, day one, I'm going to declare a state of emergency and end cash bail. Everybody knows that this bail system that the Soros-backed DAs have put together have been a complete and utter disaster. And so, you know, you have a lot of this stuff that's going on. And uh, I have um, a lot of it. There's a lot of issues that are on the table right now. Uh, Obviously, inflation and the economy are on the table. Crime, law and order is on the table. Border security is on the table. But I think Andrew Tate said this one best when he talked about our children. Uh, Well, maybe not best. Most colorful. He did. He was very colorful with this. And I thought it left an impression with me. Let's take a listen. I'm not anti-gay. I'm not anti-transgender. I'm not anti any of these things. What I'm, what I am anti is propagating your worldview on other people's children. If you're gay and you can't have kids, why do you now believe it's your right to go to other people's kids and tell them how to think? If you've decided that the type of sex you want to have will prevent you from recreate, from procreating, that's your decision, right? You've decided that having sex with women isn't worth it for you. You don't want to have children. You want to have sex with men. Fine. Your decision and you're entitled to it. That does not give you the entitlement to go to other people's families who did decide to have children and raise them and try and program their children. Leave the kids alone. You can be as transgender as you like. Don't come talk to my kid about it. That's my child. I will program my child with my worldviews. I raise them. I pay for them. They're my kid. They're not your kid. And they're not the government's kid. I'm not. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
That's like Anita Bryant on steroids or Anita Bryant uh, 2.0. Um, Anita Bryant was famous for back in, I think it was the 70s or 80s. She said, of course, you know, the uh, uh, homosexuals uh, recruit because they can't reproduce. <laughs> you know, it was a very famous quote. But uh, yeah, just, you know, stay out of my kitchen. Right. You know, stay out of my. Now, globalism is the byproduct of a lot of this stuff, too. And part of the globalism is this um, are the, you know, like what I've always called the four currencies. I've never heard anybody else talk about it. It's true, though. It is very true. The four currencies, uh, human trafficking, weapons, oil and drugs. Those are the four currencies. And a lot of times people aren't writing checks to each other. On the global market, they're trading. It's like a barter system. They don't pay any taxes on this stuff. You know, there's no international law for a lot of this illegal trafficking, whether it's fentanyl or whatever. But ask yourself this question, okay? The drugs crossing the border, they know it's killing people. COVID crossing the border. They know that's killing people, right? Think about this now. Get your head around this. So why in the world do we allow the flood of people coming through our border from every country in the in the world right now? From every country. And all the drugs coming through, all that disease coming through, all that COVID coming through, right? If they were serious about COVID, they'd be serious about the border. If they were serious about um, drugs, they'd be serious about the border. But we know, we know, right? Don't we? We know that when these corporation, uh, these uh, corporations get involved, globalist corporations, they want that cheap labor. They want that profit that comes from cheap labor. And Nancy Pelosi even said it. Who's gonna my who's gonna work you know, work the farms? Right? So the point is they have no business in Martha's Vineyard. There's nothing for them to do there. Right? They they should stay in Florida and pick oranges. They should be out in California and pick the grapes off my vineyard vines in my vineyards. Which she has vineyards. And so the point is, is that we look at we look at human trafficking, and we say, okay, there's a bunch of sex monsters involved with this. There's a bunch of slave labor involved with this. These are two obvious ones. Why do you think it is the drugs? It's to keep us okay. So one of the arguments is to keep us malazed, to keep us uh, high when they're sober. The people that are ruling us are sober. And we're supposed to be drugged out. Why else do they want this? Why else do they allow these people to be hooked up on meth in the streets of Philadelphia and San Francisco? Staggering all through the streets, committing crimes, sleeping in cars, squatting in houses, doing all kinds of crazy things in our society. Creating a black market of drugs that requires gun ownership and not just 
registered gun ownership, but stolen gun ownership in the black market. Nothing is real. Nothing is legal. That's why this whole thing about defund, uh, taking away your guns, the only people left standing that are going to have guns are the people that are never obeyed the law. So if you pass a law saying you got to confiscate my gun, and I'm a law-abiding citizen, I hand over my guns to the state, which sounds horrible in and of itself, do you think that the criminal is going to hand over his gun to the state? No, that's his livelihood. That gun is his business. So now he knows you're disarmed. He's going to break into your house and steal your stuff. And drugs is a gateway to all of that crime. Just like I think legalized marijuana is a gateway to schizophrenia. I truly believe there are going to be studies that are going to come out one day and prove that marijuana is bad for your health. Let's take a listen to this. This came from Ozark. Okay, this is a clip from Ozark, the movie, or series. It's a series. And the student school's teacher, uh, the student school's the teacher is what this uh, clip is called. This is a great scene from the show Ozark where Jonah shows his knowledge about how the world works uh, in the drug in the drug areas I think that the politicians understand just like Mexico understood when they would allow Mexico had an incentive they would allow their citizens to come into America and they said this they said well we don't have the jobs for them and we can't pay them enough but they can go to America they can get a whole bunch of money one way or the other by hook or by crook by hook or by crook whether they're selling drugs as cartels or they're getting a job as a cab driver. They're making money in America that they couldn't make in Mexico. And guess what they're doing? They're taking that money and sending it back to their families. That happens all the time. And that was a big part of the Mexican economy, is that free cash that stimulated the, uh, stimulated the, the economy. It also devalued their peso, but... Uh, because it was like liquid cash going back, just like printing money. But they would go and earn it here and then send it back over to Mexico. And that was a big stimulus to the economy. So what this what this kid's saying here, Jonah in Ozark, he's saying that the reason why they allow the drugs to flow into our country and the reason why they don't mind our children being drugged up is because... When the child buys the drugs, the person who sold it to them buys the TV, buys the BMW with the mag wheels, puts the lights on the bottom of the car and drives down South Street in Philadelphia, right? They buy the house. They buy the swimming pool. They buy the bling. And they buy the boats. And they buy the drugs, so the drugs may be bad, but the money that's made from the drugs stimulates the economy. You don't think it's important to say no to drugs and alcohol? Well, it's just not that simple. How is it not that simple? Drugs are addictive. 
They cause crime and death. And they also prop up the U.S. economy. I said quiet. What are you talking about? Wait, are you familiar with gross domestic product? It's the total of all the money spent on I know on what good. gross domestic product is. <laughs> I mean, I definitely signed something that says it'd be great if people didn't get addicted to drugs, but people are addicted to drugs, and in order to get the drugs, they have to buy them, right? And that drug dealer has to feed his family. They're innocent. They can't starve, can they? How about we just... They need a house and clothes, and the family needs a car. There's even this theory that says drug money was the only thing that prevented the collapse of the global economy in 2008. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, interesting. I heard that, and I was like, you know... I'm going to play that on the show because it's it's just a reminder, really, of how the how the world's markets are working. A lot of this stuff on the black markets is essential to avoid economic collapse. <laughs> so, in any case, uh, we have other clips we wanted to get to as well. Um, we talk about globalism quite a bit here and we talked about the new leader Rishi Sunak how he's a globalist he supports the impossible net zero to control people and populations they're starting to push you know mask mandates for children uh Kathy Hochul um is doing that they're starting to push uh climate restrictions we just heard Rishi Sunak say that today on the show, earlier in the show. But there are countries that are stepping up. Like uh, we talked about in weeks past, uh, Imran Khan, uh, the former head of Pakistan, who wanted to continue to buy their oil from Russia during the Ukraine conflict. And America and its globalist partners ousted Imran Khan a popular leader in Pakistan, and now has got him under arrest and is trying to, you know, kill him, destroy his life. And he was a leader of a country. But, you know, the heads of Afghanistan and Pakistan were always puppets anyway to the West. And they knew it. And they would just get money sent to them and then they would misappropriate it. But here's the thing. Georgia Maloney, who won the Italian election, also was forced to re, uh, 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 basically retaliate or, or speak uh, against, speak up against Vladimir Putin's position in the four provinces that he obtained from Ukraine. And she had to do that or she would have been out too. And this is the thing. Because they could kill anybody. It's either a Kanye West. It could be the head of Italy. It could be the head of Pakistan. It doesn't matter. You step up against these world forces. It could be Donald Trump. Isn't he a martyr? So let's take a listen to what Clayton Morris says about Serbia. This is one of my favorite YouTube channels. It's called Redacted. It's hosted by Clayton Morris and his wife. And... It's a really good show and uh, very informative, very anti-global like our show is. Um, And I think you would enjoy it. So check it out on YouTube. It's called Redacted. But here 
is a short. Uh, we're going to go ahead and play this Clayton Morton piece about Serbia just stuck it to NATO by continuing to buy Russian oil and not being pushed around. Once again, around. Serbia just did the unthinkable in Ukraine. And boy, do you guys have my respect. Much love to you, a country that I just came back from recently and was blown away by the resilience and the strength saying no to NATO aggression. So this afternoon, the interior minister of Serbia said, we will not be a NATO foot soldier in an interview saying, we will not let ourselves be dragged in to other people's wars. In fact, he said, the West should apologize for killing Serbian children in 1999 invasion, and we will not be a part of other people's wars. I think this is amazing. Here's a country that's been protecting its own people by signing gas deals with Russia and making sure that they are prepared for their winter, not being dragged or bullied because of what the European Union wants to place sanctions on Russia. Good for Serbia not being a NATO foot soldier. Once again... So, you know... He, if you recall, Clayton Morton, Morris used to be on the weekend edition of Fox and Friends. He left in part because Paul Ryan was just a, such a ah, uh, uh, pick the word uh, buffoon. Okay, but um, <laughs> Paul Ryan is the head of Tenio and a whole bunch of other globalist PR firms and things like that. Control, controls a lot of messaging. Tenio is a, a really big arm of the propaganda machine for the globalists. He's right there, the head of it. He and uh, uh, Carl Rove run the show over at uh, Fox News, and uh, it's why Fox News has gotten to be so bad. Um, so, you know, but in any case, um, Peter Sweden is a person I follow uh, on Twitter and it says, this is insane. In Switzerland, a proposal means people could face up to three years in jail if they heat their homes above 19 degrees Celsius during a gas shortage. Welcome to the Great Reset. Wow. All right. So, and then... Um, we have this Kathy Hochul uh, clip where she wants to mask mandate. Uh, she wants that not mandate, but mask madness. Uh, she wants to make sure all kids are wearing masks even now. This That's is something new. we've seen before, but you know, infants as young as six months old uh, have been known to contract this. So you know, it's hard to keep kids safe. You know, to think about the fact that a year ago. You know, before a year ago, we, a lot of kids were wearing masks in a daycare center or in schools, and that did per- give them some level of protection. We're not mandating this, but we're saying parents, you know, you got other kids, you got kids in school, preschool, and you got a baby at home, you really might just want to take these extra precautions. And by now, kids are more socialized to the idea of wearing a mask. It's not as strange to them. It's not as like, what is this all about? There's really cute masks out there. I've seen a lot of them. Uh, so, that's something I'm encouraging all parents to consider for their children right now. And we're talking about how we can stop this spread. Right now, this. Sp- well, that and then I think she's coming out with that because Joe Biden has come out with a de- declaration of a state of emergency for COVID again, even though he said not too long ago that it was gone and was done. Nobody I know is wearing masks except for who's that? Um, Brooks. 
Uh, the the guy they just got seventy two counts of guilty of seventy two counts of murder because he ran over uh, over people on the parade in in uh, Waukesha, um, Wisconsin. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. That guy is just completely insane, right? But represented himself, had a fool for a lawyer, and you know it's that's that. All right, so I want to get to some other clips. This was Chuck Todd, uh, basically uh, about masks and vaccines listen to this this is how wrong they were because we know now vaccines are bad for your health we know that pfizer is going to jack up the price of vaccines ten thousand percent we talked about that yesterday and we also know that they were ineffective and that they didn't do anything to stop the spread please get vaccinated if you know someone who's not vaccinated find a way to convince them to get vaccinated. Literally, the only people dying are the unvaccinated. And for those of you spreading misinformation, shame on you. Shame on you. People he are needlessly dying because of your misinformation. Think about it. I don't know how some of you sleep at night who are doing this for a living. Well, how does he sleep at night, right? For giving that misinformation. He says, we're misinformation. But yet he's spewing misinformation. Speaking of misinformation, so Twitter, uh, Elon Musk came in with a a bathroom sink or something walking into Twitter. Um, It's kind of funny to see him do that. But, you know, um, it is what it is. You know, uh, basically he... uh, He's it's it's starting to come come back right, and the left is, it's the left is blowing a gasket. All right, I had a couple of quick fact checks about um, uh, Fetterman. So Fetterman uh, came out, and you know Fetterman basically said he got a full check. Uh, my doctors believe that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I am standing. Let's see. Uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen to the way that sounded, right? I mean, that just sounds insane. So the doctor writes this thing and says, overall, the lieutenant governor is recovering well from his stroke, and his health has continued to improve. His physical exam was normal. Um Everything was good, you know, laboratory testing was performed, did all this stuff, wrote up this letter, right? I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing. Overall, Lieutenant is well and shows strong commitment to maintaining good fitness. Well, it turns out that um, the doctor donated uh, money to the campaign, right? And... Here's the thing. The doctor said this. He spoke intelligently without cognitive deficits. Dr. Clifford, Clifford Chen of the Duquesne, of Duquesne, Pennsylvania. After last night's train wreck debate, Dr. Chen should be sued. Now, this is not last night that the debate happened, but that's what I'm reading here. Uh, should be sued for malpractice. John Fetterman all but spoke intelligently and demonstrated severe cognitive deficits. Of course. That's the case. That's true. This is the doc who claims uh, Fetterman is okay to serve. Note that the doctor is not a neurologist, nor does he have any training in neurology, but you can bet 
<clears throat> he's a Democrat. Clifford uh, Clifford Chen, MD, specializes in family medicine and is certified in family medicine by the American Board of Family Medicine. He practices at Community Family Practice, that's UPMC, and is affiliated with UPMC McKeesport, PA. So, if you watch the debate, one should now question the qualifications of Fetterman's Dr. Clifford Chen, who stated Fetterman, there ought to be consequences for this, is the point. You can't just have this fake medicine going around for political purposes, can you? I mean, I think that's just insane that that happens. And they, we now know who this guy is. And um, so there's a quick Tucker clip here so, that I want to, um, well, let's see, that might be too long. It says Tucker and Darren Beatty on the importance of Elon Musk acquiring Twitter. Darren says the question of whether we have free speech on what he calls the global public square is indeed of civilization importance and it is ex- existential threat to the crooks. All right. Well, what's important about this is that what's important about this is that the uh, these are public utilities now. They were connected with the CIA. And let's take a listen to this. We can take a listen. Why was it so important to every power center in the United States to prevent Elon Musk from taking over Twitter? Lots of billionaires own media organizations. In fact, most media organizations are owned by billionaires. Why was Elon Musk, who's not some kind of right winger, so threatening? Because he promised to bring free speech back to social media. And that's the one thing they can't tolerate, period, because their entire rule is predicated on censorship. Bloomberg recently reported that U.S. officials, Biden officials, are considering investigating Elon Musk on national security grounds. But apparently Musk was not intimidated. Today he walked into Twitter headquarters in San Francisco carrying a sink. He shot a video with the caption, entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in. (laughs) Apparently by tomorrow night, Elon Musk will own Twitter. This is a big story bigger than we can even fully understand probably at this moment. Darren Beatty of Revolver News has been thinking and writing about this for months now. He joins us tonight to give some perspective on it. Darren, thanks so much for coming on. So why, why is this a bigger story than your average billionaire buying your average media outlet? Well, Elon Musk has the potential to be a great man of history, and he has stepped outside of his designated role as glorified IT support for the regime. And he stepped into a very dangerous, high-stakes arena for a cause of civilizational importance. The question of whether we have free speech on what he calls a global public square is indeed of civilizational importance, and it's an existential threat to the crooks that control our regime. And in fact, it's such a threat that I predict if he goes through with this and does implement free speech on Twitter, Elon Musk and Twitter will be designated, in effect, the number one national security threat to the crooks in control of our regime. So Twitter is more than just a venue for people to spout off about politics. Twitter is used by foreign governments, by our own government, in the information wars. Is that correct? 
absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about bots, and bots aren't just automated uh, things promoting the latest cryptocurrency scam or even bots of foreign intelligence agencies. The truth is, our intelligence agencies operating usually through cutouts and NGOs have played a huge role in influencing politics on every level precisely by gaming the system and social media platforms like Twitter. And Elon Musk, I think, really needs someone who understands the architecture of that censorship. There's an example, probably the greatest national security leak since Snowden, of how the censorship regime works. We talk about it on a recent piece at Revolver News that's available now. It's called the Integrity Initiative. But the social media apps are replete with these types of operations. In fact, one woman who attacked Elon Musk for threatening to restore free speech on Twitter was involved in an app, in an operation setting up fake Russian accounts so she could blame an American politician for enjoying support by the Russians. And so you really need to understand how deep this goes and how dark this is. Bringing transparency to Twitter, how it works, what exactly is the algorithm, will change everything. I, I agree with you. I think this is civilizational. And I appreciate that perspective. Darren Beatty, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, there it is. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a big part. They were connected with the intelligence community, so they should be held accountable. Let's see how quick this clip is. This is a short. Going back to when I first started voting yeah. back in the Scary 80s, we had election day. Yeah. Our constitution says election day. It doesn't say election season, election month. And the longer you drag that out, the more fraught with problems there are. We just saw problems this week with Katie Hobbs, my opponent. She just put- So, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, it's election day, right? We, got, we have to get back to the basics here. Because obviously our elections have gotten worse and worse ever since we've made them more complicated with all this mail-in balloting stuff. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our gold partner. Uh, that's Genesis Gold over at 800-385-4653. That's 1-800-385-GOLD. Find out how you can transfer your IRA to gold and precious metals, gold and silver. They are our partner for that, and I think it's a great time to do that. Also, check out tacticalcivics.com. Find out how you can take your country back locally and set up a chapter of Tactical Civics in your neighborhood. Check out magapac.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies. And also, be sure to use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow. And with that, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.